Welcome to the Big Footy Blues podcast for the 27th of May 2015. With me tonight, and fortunately we are not misaligned and are on the same tram. Good evening, Mebby. Hello. Long time no speak. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't here last week either. Uh, And good evening, Chandel. Good evening. How's everyone doing? Um, Well, (laughs) a lot to talk about, so (laughs) I guess we're kind of excited about that. Um, Something different. Well, different is good at the moment, I guess. It's been a massive week so far for supporters of the Navy Blue. Um, Friday night, we copped another pacing, this time by 77 points at the hands of Geelong. Um, I, I don't think there's much point in going into that game. It's sort of more of the same, but um, it's more of the, uh, the events that it sparked, I guess. Um, for the third time in just under eight years, Carlton has sacked a coach before this season has finished. Uh, Mick Malthouse's coaching career has come to an end for good. After going on SEN yesterday morning and almost daring Carlton to sack him, Carlton changed their time frames yet again, and by yesterday afternoon, the deal was done. Um, who wants to, who's got something to say about all this? Who doesn't have something to say about all this? <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, you're right. we're getting smashed from all sides, and it, there's some people that think that Mick was hard done by, some people saying it was the media's fault, some people saying, thank God we got rid of him. I don't even know what to think anymore, which way is up. I hope that this is kind of a, a circuit breaker for Carlton and that there's, this is just the first of a lot of changes that, that need to be made. Oh, God, what a disaster. We're back at square one again, you guys. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's just go through this a second, though. Let's ask a simple question. Did Mick deserve to lose his job? Chantal? Look, I was going to say, I've gone through so many different ranges of trying to being supportive of Mick and what he's doing and then being frustrated at the things that are seemingly happening because of decisions that he's made. And then I guess just with the media side of things as well and the way he's been dealing with that at the start, I was like, yeah, great. Mick doesn't give a hoot. He's, uh, you know, slams the media, says what he likes and, and does what he likes. And then after I heard the, the interview on 5AA, or was it 5 No. What was this? SEN, yeah, it was SEN. After I heard that interview, I just thought, you can't do that. You can't say these sort of things and expect to keep your job. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, it seems to me like all of these little issues are adding up to the point where I was like, right, I don't think it's tenable to have Malthouse as our coach anymore. We need clarity and uh, you can't have someone who just keeps putting their foot in it like that and keeps driving media agenda against the club in, when we're already in such a poor state. Yeah. It, it, was, he, was he effectively – he was effectively sacking himself, wasn't he? He was. I, I, you got to think, to you know, was was he aware of something that was coming along? He knew it was going to happen, decided to just go out with a bang or whatnot. As, you know, I think he's a pretty smart dude and he probably decided to do that and, and just went out and said, well, I'm going to take some parting shots on the way out. I was particularly interested um, – in Mick's comments uh, in the morning, uh, or the media, or, um, where he said um, there would be 
basically, if they don't know what sort of coach I am after 30 years, what difference is two weeks going to make? And people have stood up and applauded that. It's exactly right. But to me, that's saying I want to be retained on reputation, not performance. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, so uh, why call up your whole 30 years? You're basically saying, yeah, I've been a good coach for 30 years. I've been rated, you know. Look me up, Google me. Um, and, and <laughs> don't worry about where we are now or what, what I've contributed to get to this point. You know I've done it before, then just hire me again or get rid of me. And and he wasn't he, he didn't want he knew he was gone and he didn't want to stay there the whole season and play out this contract. Yeah, look on face value it sounds like that's what he was saying, wasn't it? It's like, hey, I'm Mick Moldhouse, I've been doing this for thirty years, either you're with me or against me sort of thing, I guess. Mm. Um, on the Bigfooty Blues boards, um, opinion has been quite varied. Um, a lot of people are very, very upset with the board. Uh, I don't know, maybe you've been pretty upset with the board yourself over this. I but... think I'm kind of upset with everybody, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except for Sam Doherty, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're the only two that I'm kind of like, oh, pats on the back, fellas, you're getting through this really well. But if you, if you sort of look back to when Rats was sacked, for example, he left with a lot of dignity and he, he kept a lot of respect um, amongst the, the footballing community and amongst the supporters and stuff because of the way he bowed out. Mick obviously has gone out in a different fashion, but also, I mean, between the board and Mick, there was there's obviously a massive public misalignment or whatever wanky term they use for it. So it's inevitable that there was going to be a conscious uncoupling. They're pretty much Gwyneth Paltrow right now. Um, that's how I feel about them. I just think, you know, like this is our third coach sacked in I think eight years and at some point they need to think maybe we're part of the problem, maybe handpicking people. Um, because they're approved by our our power brokers or something, isn't the best way to choose our coach. Maybe we need to, you know, pull our heads out of our own asses. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here <laughs> and, and think that something needs to change. And there's, I was watching 360 before, and there's there's people who've been on our board for six to ten years. I mean, over the last six to ten years, things have been steadily declining um, and, and going downhill. So obviously something's got to give. And it's those, you know, fat cats who, some of whom don't even watch the football but think they can make all the decisions for us and they're just pathetic. They need to bugger off. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, the one good thing that's coming out of all of this is that the the spotlight has really been turned onto the board. Um, I think they're two completely separate and distinct issues in a lot of ways, um, whether Malthouse is the right person to be coaching the club going forward. Um, and the issues with the board, but in in this sense, they're actually they're intertwined a little bit, and it's really shining a light across all of it. Because, like you said, maybe there's the, the power brokers, the the family connections and stuff. I tell the board is so inbred that if it was a dog at the pound, it'd just be put down. You wouldn't it's like Game of Thrones. <laughs> it is, yeah. It, something needs to change for sure, um, and I hope there there is big wholesale change to the executive of this club before it, they you know they they just drag us to to even to lows that we didn't think were possible beyond it you know after our early two thousand salary cap issues you know I think you made a really good point there Shandog that needs to be reiterated and that's that the the board and Mick like they are two separate issues and people are saying that because the board is so bad it means Mick is without blame and vice versa and i think just because one is shit doesn't mean that the other is is not um mm. they're all shit yeah. um and, and we, we are at rock bottom Kuda said the other day that this is the worst we've ever been, and I wholeheartedly agree. During our doom years, we kind of understood why it was happening, and there was a light at the end of the tunnel. There's no light at 
that I can see in the immediate future. I think it's we're in for a world of pain for a while yet. Look, I, I do I do agree. We need a we need a full club re- review from top to bottom. Uh, I do agree that we probably need some uh, new and different blood on the board. And the fact that they've actually set up a subcommittee to sort of look at what skills people might be bringing. I, I, I don't believe in a general election though that that holds true. It's only one. It's only people that they invite onto the board. So hopefully, uh, just anybody can actually put their name up, and, um, and we might get a, a little bit of fresh blood in there. However, on this occasion. Um, uh, we've we've copped a, we've copped a bit over our uh, differing timeframes, I guess. You know, the second half of the season, then the bye weekend, and then bring it forward. Um, I, I just think that was taken out of our hands. I think it, it looks it looks quite incompetent from the outside looking in. Yeah. However, however, they didn't expect Mick to go off like he like he did. Um, uh, they didn't anticipate that. I believe that they were holding off out of respect for Mick Malthouse and trying to find a uh, a, a gracious exit. Um, and it didn't, uh, you know, Mick didn't allow that to happen, and they've had to change their timeframes. We could not go on until the end of the season uh, with this sort of instability, and Mick, Mick, without a contract, without an extension, didn't want to be there anymore. It was no fun. It was no fun watching what was happening and him, him having to come up with excuses um, in the post-match in, uh, press conferences week after week. Um, nothing was going to change, um, so... Again, as Lee Matthews said, there needed to be a circuit breaker, and, and, and this was it. And funny enough, I don't know about you guys, no matter what camp you're in, and I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm a club person uh, who is a bit annoyed with the with the board. I warmed to Mick Malthouse over the last couple of years, and he's lost me again this year a little bit. But um, I feel uh, a certain sense of a little bit of weight lifted. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I, I actually, for some reason now, after I've sort of gotten over the um, being really frustrated that this got played out in the media so much, um, but he's kind of expected these days, especially when you're dealing with a name like Mick Malthouse. But um, now that it's sort of said and done, I'm like, okay, cool. Who? What changes are we going to see, and are they going to be a benefit to our club? I look forward to finding out. You know. Um, so first cab off the rank, then um, John Barker is the caretaker coach for the rest of the season. Um, we knew we knew prior to that announcement that uh, they wouldn't be well received around a lot of Carlton circles because on uh, Big Footy particularly, rightly or wrongly, uh, John Barker doesn't have a great reputation. What are your personal thoughts on John Barker as caretaker coach? I don't mean I don't really have too much of an opinion. I think the fella deserves a chance. A lot of people have been really vocal in in their disgust with the decision, but I mean. This might seem like a very simplistic view, but honestly, how much damage can he really do in the next 14 or 15 weeks that wasn't going to be done anyway? Like, we couldn't have continued with Mick regardless. We're playing like crap. The players aren't enjoying themselves. So, I mean, how bad can it be? I don't know if that's a naive view, but I think he deserves a chance. Jeez Louise. Yeah, no, I agree. It's kind of, it's, it's a simple way of looking at it, but I think it's right. I mean, when you boil it down to it, he's he's the temporary coach. He's not getting the gig full time. He's been at the club for a little while. He's probably there for a reason as a line coach. Some people think he's, you know, failed at, at certain um, jobs that he's had, you know, whether it be a backline coach or a forward line one or whatnot. He's he's at the club. He's in. He's he's the logical person to take over. You know, maybe could have preferred someone else, but not going to jump up and down about it. I guess no fear call. Um, the other issue that uh, came up with um, Mick Malthouse on SEN was uh, he dropped a bit of a bomb on uh, Stephen Trigg and um, and the Adelaide Crows as well when he uh, suggested that uh, 
uh, when Trig first came on board, he told Malthouse not to not to sweat it too much about Eddie Betts leaving because uh, Adelaide had him stitched up some eighteen months prior to him leaving, um, and that's sparked an AFL investigation, um, which I thought was going nowhere. And um, on AFL three hundred and sixty, uh, Robbo said that uh, no, there's, there's some legs there, and there's a lot of people being interviewed, and maybe something to come out in the in the papers overnight. Yeah, right. Oh, Robbo has beer for breakfast, so I don't know how much <laughs> credibility I attribute to him. I think there's a huge difference between stitched up and signed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, with free agency, we'd be kidding ourselves if we thought that this didn't happen with every free agent that's changed clubs. I think it was a bit of a childish move to take a pot shot like that yesterday from Mick. And, you know, I think it's a bit, bit gross that he did it but hopefully nothing comes of it I, th- I think it's more of a you know um they'll come out and say something like oh we've investigated they've done nothing wrong we're going to find them five hundred thousand dollars but we're going to pay the fine sort of thing <laughs> do you think it was a deliberate um attempt to throw trig under the bus or do you think oh, it was just a turn of yeah mick is too smart to say something like that he's a wily old fox i mean let's be honest yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing he would have been very calculated in that statement. He carefully said stitched up. He didn't say signed. So when it comes out that, you know, for example, if it comes out that nothing's happened, he'll say, oh, I didn't say they signed him. So, I mean, come on. It, it was it was very, very loosely related to the, to the conversation they were having at the time. I mean, he, he's obviously looking at, you know, the fact that they had injuries and whatnot and, you know, some sort of excuses for performance and, you know, the fact that we've lost some players um, that they didn't want to lose. But um, it was a very, very tenuous sort of uh, yep. link in to what he was trying to say to actually go to that detail about what Trigg said. So, yeah, it, it does seem it does seem like it was a little bit of a truth bomb that he was trying to trying to drop on everybody. But, uh, yeah, interesting. he's that like, you know, when you say something and then you drop the mic and you're like, Malthouse, out. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think that's what he's going for. <laughs> um, and, and look, uh, and then it, then it, uh, the conspiracy theorist, and he says, you know what, uh, Eddie Betts did have an uncharacteristically poor 2013. I know he was suspended for a couple of weeks, and he broke his jaw, and he's out for a couple of weeks. But it was, um, it was, it was a pretty flat year by Eddie. And um, going by what Mick said, and what um, you know whether it was 12 months or 18 months and whether they'd actually been in contact or not, it did feel like maybe Eddie was out the door. Um, and I know Port and North say they were involved in a bit of a bidding war, but uh, it did, does seem like Eddie might have been out the door and maybe his uh, focus was not on Carlton in this final year. Yeah, look, ultimately, though, with that whole thing, um, I can't see there being any real case to answer for, regardless, as a restricted free agent, Carlton always had the final right of reply. Um, yeah. and, and we chose not to match it. If people are saying that Eddie was, was playing dead when he was averaging something like two goals a game anyway, then they've been spending far too much time on the SRP board. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I know it was, it, was, it was a little bit uncharacteristic, some of his performances that year, um, and it does seem, and I could, so I can understand in Carlton's defence, I can understand why they didn't want to match an offer based on Eddie's 2013 form. Mm. Yeah, I get that. Where, whereas the, the other te- the other teams made their offers based on his 2011-12 form. Yep, totally so, agree. But so I don't that, for a second think that he was playing dead in a calculated way. Oh, look, that's, that, I mean, that's, 
that's probably loose terminology, and I probably used it myself actually. Um, but I know I knew you would, which is why I'm raising it with you. But <laughs> but um, it would be fair to say that there's it, a good possibility that Eddie was a little bit distracted, and maybe oh. that distraction maybe had him not applying himself as he might normally. But there's a difference between the human nature of being distracted by something that's sort of going on in the background and purposely not playing to your full potential. I mean, we can point at many players over the years who've been in their final year of contract. All of a sudden, they've had a huge spike in performance, for example, or the opposite, you know, they've gone down. And if you're going to sit there and say, oh, this one's rolling over because he wants to go to another club, um, this one's only playing well because he wants another contract, <laughs> Gibbs, um, I mean, you're going to... You're going to drive yourself crazy with conspiracy theories. I think that, yeah, it's probably valid. Adelaide probably did talk to Eddie long before he was, you know, um, I don't know what the, when their eligibility period for chatting to about free agency is up. Absolutely. But we'd be stupid if we thought it's the only time it's ever happened. Yep. I don't know. Where one, two, two, smear yourself and peanut butter and they call you crazy. I'm, I'm going to move on for that. Holy <laughs> mackerel. One, <laughs> <laughs> um, smooth. <laughs> also on <laughs> AFL 360, um, Bomber Thompson just said that he wouldn't coach Carlton. Yay! <laughs> so rejoice, Carlton fans everywhere, um, because Bomber, we didn't want you, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he, he wants a cushy. He actually, he actually said that uh, it would take a, a, an awfully special club um, for him to uh, want to coach again. And um, and Robert actually said, well, Carlton are a special club. 16 <laughs> premierships. Uh, no, 16 premierships and uh, uh, a lot of history. Um, big major, you know, they've just had a down 13 to 15 years. And um, so credit to him for saying that. Uh, and, and Bomber said, well, uh, maybe there didn't need to be some special people at the club. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> I think that's a shot directly at the board and then the, uh, the administration. Who's anyway, that's right. You're done, mate. You're done. Go away, you alleged whatever. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some people coming out of the woodwork to, to discuss Carlton and uh, what we do. I, was, you know, I didn't see, see the comments, uh, but um, Wayne Britton had a bit of a bit of a serve, and I, I don't know that what happened back in uh, 2002 was terribly relevant to today. Um, there's a lot of people different there, so it's not the four walls, uh, unless he's unless he's suggesting that the same power brokers are still doing the same, you know, pulling off the same stuff. And uh, I'm not sure. Um, there's rumours going around about a rival ticket forming to challenge the board. Um, I've seen Tom Elliott become a little bit more vocal, and I just don't see the point. There's shuffling deck chairs on the t- Titanic. John Elliott was. Um, uh, did a bit of an open mic where he sort of again thinks that he's uh, he's done nothing wrong and saying pushing for John Walsfold to be the uh, our next coach. Oh, and, then God. and then if Tom as if Tom Elliott's actually putting his hand up um, uh, for the board or for the presidency, God forbid. I, I have no problem with Tom Elliott and he seems a very articulate, smart guy, but it's his guilt by association and the perception would be it would, would kill us if if this club chooses. The replacement coach for Malthouse, um next year and just throws a big bucket of money at the biggest name available like Worsfold. I'm I'm going to fucking shit. I'm going to lose it. I will fly okay. across. Don't he? He's already ruled himself out. 
everybody is coming forward before we even have a chance to talk to them. They're like, nah, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ask. It's, 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 it's like those signs, um, do not ask for credit, um, refusing by the team. Yeah. So they're, they're coming out beforehand just to preemptively say no, so they don't have to refuse us. Yeah, like, if this is you, Mark, would you just say, I'm not interested, don't leave this. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. Don't laugh, you'll cry, really. I mean, we're a poisonous. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're shit. That joke made me laugh and sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get to see it. Kate Walsh, you're on the phone. We're going to make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> and then he refuses. He's like, hey. uh, Oh, look, okay, moving on. Um, I think we've said all we can say for now. Listen, um, I, I see uh, Mick Malthouse is. Uh, He's going to sit down with Jared Waitley. He's probably doing so tonight, and uh, that'll be aired to 8.30 tomorrow. So um, we'll see if there's any more uh, mixed-centric statements to come out of that. In the meantime, I think we'll just move on to uh, pre-game pep talk. So this Friday night uh, at the SCG, I believe it's at the SCG. I yes. Didn't check. Um, Carlton take on <laughs> just a middle of the road sort of piddling side named <laughs> Sydney Swans. Um, it's it, it, it's been sitting out there for a little while as being the game we're most afraid of, given the performances we've been putting in lately, and given the strength of the Sydney side up in Sydney. Uh, and the fact that um, they do tend to be a bit, little bit more. Uh, I think I made the point during the week that they're they're a low scoring side, so they might you know they might break the hundred and we'll, we'll barely score four or five goals. But um, they do tend to uh, be a little bit more free running um, at the SCG, so uh, it, it's a real concern. However, you know uh, we know that one in is Barker Barker and Malthouse out. What are we expecting to see? from the Carlton side this Friday night uh, in terms of selection, uh, in terms of game plan, in terms of effort? That's a tough one, that one. I'm going into the game before, like earlier in the week before Malthouse was sacked, I was thinking to myself, well, no doubt uh, Carazzo, if he's available, will be back in the team, and I think he might be. Um, uh, You know, he'll get picked. Nick Graham will get overlooked again. We'll see the standard sort of thing and, and senior players come back in. But now that that's been said and done, um, I've, I, I hope and I think um, we might see a couple of seniors like um, Henderson and uh, Jamison come back in. It might be tough. Um, it might be a big call for Jamison to come back in with, with a calf injury sort of lingering. Um, but given that we're only two weeks out from the bye anyway, if he does get a bit tight in it or sore and injure himself... You know he'll probably be okay by the time we come back, and let's face it, the season's gone anyway. So um, I think we really need Jamison back there um, to help row out. So I, I'm assuming that if there's any chance that he's available to play, that Jamo will come back in. Um, Walker is the one I'm not sure about though. Walker's listed as a test. Uh, Jamison's left uh, listed as a week. Doesn't look like he'll get up. Um, Henderson is t- a test, and Cruiser is a test. 
Um, that would be interesting. Uh, we mm. know Cruiser, when he was out long-term with injury previously in his uh, return game, I believe was at the Sydney, against the Sydney Swans, and he, and he smashed them. Um, but um, it does seem like, you know, two games back in the VFL and then a week off due to soreness, he's probably... Not ideal. Probably, you've got to manage him a bit better than that, I'd mm. say. Um, but Henderson back in means that maybe Rowe gets a little bit of support and you'll, you'll be looking at... Um, at uh, Jones and Casbold up forward, and you know, um, I don't know whether Jack will get a go. If he does, I'd like to see him up forward as well. But um, uh, you, you know, you think Nick Graham. But the, the one thing that intrigues me is John Barker. Even a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I listened to a interview uh, yesterday with him, but it uh, took place a couple of weeks ago, where he was talking about the players sort of needing to enjoy their footy a bit, uh, needing to take the game on. And uh, and just run. And he spoke about the players such as um, Buckley and Tui and Walker and you know, losing confidence in themselves and whatnot. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that somebody like Buckley who comes in the side, he tries to make things happen every time he gets the ball. Sometimes he gets it wrong. He's a excitable sort of player, um, but he really takes it on and tries to get us moving because he knows a quick ball movement up the corridor is the way to play. Um, he, he basically he got dropped. For that a couple of weeks back, yeah, he got dropped because he made mistakes taking the game on like that. There's no other reason for it um, because that, that's they're the they're, they were the errors that he was making. But he was actually doing you know pulling off a couple of uh, of good plays, and and it's always exciting to see him with the ball and actually looking for that handball over the top to somebody in a better position, uh, even further up the ground. He seldom goes back. Um, he's always looking for an attacking option, and um, if they've got free license to do that. This week, uh, even if it doesn't work, even if we we get killed on the turnovers anyway, we get scored against on the turnover probably more than any other side. Um, so, what difference does it make? What difference does it make between a ten to twelve goal loss and a fifteen to twenty goal loss if it doesn't come off? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's confirmed that Chris Judd and Bryce Gibbs um, will be missing. Bryce Gibbs out for two weeks. Um, Judd will miss this week. I think that was always the plan. I think we've been managing Judd and not sending him into state. You know, uh, previously this year, so um, I, I don't, I don't think there's any surprises there. But um, they're two two big outs. Um, you'd, you'd imagine that Nick Graham would get a game based on that um, those midfield outs. But uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see whether John Barker has any uh, particular favourites or particular players that he thought deserved more of a run. Because we know when Mix and Mix in charge, it is the Mix show, and the assistants say yes, Mick. Yeah. Yeah. How high do you want me to jump next? So. Well, after the Brisbane game, Barker did come out and, and he was talking about um, taking the game on and, and I think sort of reverting back to the natural game and running more. So I'm hoping that this means that the guys who do actually take the game on will be given more of a chance. Um, my, I think we really, like, I know they've said that this year isn't a write-off, but let's be honest, it is. So I would like to see them sort of assess where they think we are at, who will potentially be gone next year and that sort of thing, and try and get some games under the belts of these younger guys. Because I'm really petrified that, you know, our older or senior players will retire and these kids are going to have like 18 to 20 games under their belts and then we're going to be like Melbourne just getting smashed from pillar to post for years to come. So I'm hoping that this week we see... I Look, I'm, we're already all resigned ourselves to a loss, so doesn't really make a difference, like you say, ODN, about whether that's, you know, 10 goals or 20. So we might as well just start 
pumping some time into these guys. One positive thing is that um, there's an article on the AFL website, and Barker has said um, what I guess what we were hoping he'd say, which is we're uh, we're going to we're looking to have a real once over of our list to see where they're at and where certain players are at, and we need to try some things and learn some things. So that says to me that he's going to go and do it with the mindset of okay, we're going to put aside what's what's been happening so far, and we're going to try um, these new things, uh, tweak the game plan. Um, and, and try new players. So whether or not he actually follows through with that um, is the big question, but at least we're getting the right sounds coming from the club. Do you reckon he listens to the podcast? <laughs> we have been telling him to do just that. <laughs> Barker, you can send me a check. That'd be great. Well, now yeah, Nick's not well. coaching. Do you reckon he wants to be involved? Get back into the media? <laughs> Everyone's keen for that? No? Okay. I'll get back to you, Barry. I've said some nasty things about him right now. Yeah. I, I, I kind of just want Mick to sort of just, just go away on holidays for a couple of years now and, uh, you know, get any – I mean, he, has, he didn't sound bitter in his statement that he released, but I've got a feeling he's, he's still a couple of buckets he wants to tip. So um, <laughs> uh, I don't think we really want that right now. We'll see how we go. But, yeah, hopefully – I mean, I don't have huge hopes for Friday night. We're going to lose by heaps and heaps. Um, hopefully, we don't have many injuries or any injuries, not, not many. Mm. Hopefully, we don't have any injuries and hopefully, we see some of my favourites out there. Just, just, just one more question, guys. Just, just generally, do you think the, the list is as bad as we are currently playing? No. No, in, in short, no. Not, not, it's not as bad as we look right now. And it certainly has a lot more potential than what we're showing right now. Yeah. Yeah, like if you break it down, if you look at who's actually on the list, people say we've got no young players. Well, that's just blatantly not true. Um, so if you look at like Doherty, Menzel, help me out here, guys. Doherty, Menzel. Crips. Crips. Oh, my God. I'm going to get into that. <laughs> please edit that to make it really smooth. So if you look at the list, we've got Doherty, Menzel and Cripps. Cripps obviously being the standout amongst the three. Um, I mean, if Jacks. take away all of the angst that we've had and look at it on paper, it's not that bad. We just need to get them sort of galvanised, playing as a team and developed properly so that it can live up to its potential and not be another Jared Waite situation. Yeah. Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> Get off, Chad. <laughs> Honestly, oh, God, you've made me mad all over again. We, we, we definitely need to go to the draft a couple of years running, um, oh, yeah. at least. Um, and we, we, don't, we, we do have some young players coming through. They don't look like developing the way we've been going, so hopefully um, hopefully there's a new lease, of, lease on life and they show a little bit more as the year goes on. Uh, but we do need to get a little bit more in because the depth isn't there as far as the young guys, unless we get players like uh, like uh, Nick Graham and um, Holman and uh, and the like, maybe, you know, Smith come on faster, Bocorse, you know, being a success because, yeah, if, if, if half those guys fail, um, we are going to be in a bit of a, a weird place um, Age-wise and structure-wise, over the next uh, over the next few years, but you know, um, well, I, I agree. I think we are better than better than we looked. Uh, not 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 a final not finals team better, but um, most of these guys that are in our team present presently have done better. You know, maybe in the you know not too distant past, 
um, and they're just playing nowhere near it at the moment. It's not just because they're all ageing, uh, because it was all flukes. They they just um, they it's just gone into their shell a bit, and they're lacking in confidence and structure. So, bring it on, I say. A fresh start, um, new hopes, and uh, we just reset our parameters now under a new person. Uh, damage has been done, and uh, we'll see where we go from here. Um, thank you to Mebby for coming in once again. Thanks, guys. It was um, awful but a blast at the same time. Um, thank you, Shandog. Help us, John Barker. You're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, big shout out to HBF who's uh, sitting around feeling miserable with a mouthful of marbles. <laughs> That's okay. He sounds like Eddie Betts, so he can stay like that if you want. <laughs> Uh, oh, we just stitched him up. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Mr. Right.